You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. A lot of time. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Hey Grump, happy uh, happy Monday to you. Another week closer to uh, free agency, another week closer to the draft, another week closer to a CBA that is yet to be signed yet, so getting a little exciting. There's nothing happy about a Monday following daylight savings time, but... See, I disagree. Daylight, daylight savings time, that day is my favorite day of the year. And today might even be more of my favorite day of the year than, than Saturday because I just love the fact that I get out of work at 6, 6.30 and it is still daylight. I love it. I, I agree with that. It's that initial day that's just kind of a kicker. It throws my whole sleep schedule off. Well. <laughs> but when you're lying when you're lying in bed grump how do you find the show and where do I find you on Twitter well for for everybody who is driving into work in pitch black now um the show is on iTunes SoundCloud Spotify uh iHeartRadio you know everywhere basically Every- any 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 podcast app it's on there so if you subscribe to Just Giants on any one of those this Podcast will be in your playlist queue every Tuesday morning. Yeah. If you just type in Just Giants Podcast in Google, there we are. You can find our link on SoundCloud. You can find our Facebook page. You can find on Podchaser. You can find right there, front page. Don't go to justgiants.org because that talks about animals, and that would not be us. Mm, no. We are the animals. And, we are uh, the animals. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you'd come across our Twitter page as well, and our individual Twitters are probably much more interesting, where we go a little bit more in-depth. Um, I'm at football underscore grump, and um, I delve a lot more into what we talk about on the show a little bit deeper. I am at the Cranky Fan, and I am, as usual, all over the place. So you'll just have to, you'll just have to uh, follow me to find out. And on Twitter today, the biggest news was, um, I mean, it, not very surprising, but, but you know, we all kind of saw it coming either now or a little bit down the line this year. Rhett Ellison has announced his retirement, and we saw this coming due to, you know, one, one too many noggin knocks over the years. Yeah, and I think he's a kind of a nice guy to have to, you know, do a lot of little things for you, but I don't know what his long-term future would be with this team, even if he was 100% healthy either. So, Yeah, I mean, he was signed some time ago. Uh, he was actually signed by Jerry Reese, which sounds like an eternity ago. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he, he was signed to a four-year deal. He He's a good, well-rounded tight end. You know, he's, he's not exceptional at anything, but he's very good at just, you know, blocking and receiving and you know teams need guys like that you kind of forget about him out there which could be good or bad i mean if you're relying on him too much that might be a problem but just you're right is a guy who needs to have a chip block or something or just get a third down catch or something mm-hmm. he's there for you um 
I think the problem has been with all the injuries we've had in the last couple of years. Right. Yeah. We've kind of relied on him to be a little more than he really actually is. Yeah, I mean he he's used best paired with another tight end where he kind of looked pretty good playing opposite Kyle Rudolph. I think the idea was to have him playing opposite Evan Ingram and you know between injuries, between rookies, between uh, a bad offensive line, between a poor scheme. I I think it just never quite clicked, but the idea I think was right in in signing him and getting a young stud tight end opposite him was it was it was a good solid idea it just didn't pan out and you know over the years the injuries he took it just you know he's going to hang it up you know, so, the thing, I, would, I wouldn't put him in a category as a bust or a bad signing you know you saying how it didn't really pan out but i definitely don't think it was you know look man the, a, the last couple of years were busts i mean why quibble over details yeah yeah i think overall i think you know Nice guy, you know. He's the type of guy who, in five years, when you know you see some sort of promotion where you know they're opening up a new Grand Union in Passaic, New Jersey, you know, <laughs> he comes see Giants legend Red Ellison, and he'll be there along with you know a lot of the guys you see now that are always kind of floating around. So I think he'll be someone that's going to be kind of you know thought of as a Giant and be one of those alumni that does you know events, public relations stuff with them. I don't know, maybe. I don't know if he's really even reached that level of fame. He might, he might, yeah. Listen, they opened up a Grand Union in Passaic, New Jersey. No offense to you. Grand Union employees, Grand Union shoppers are residents of Passaic, New Jersey, but that's a type of giant you would get to come to a ribbon opening. And I think think you might see him as one of those type of guys. Yeah, and, you know, we could go on and on about this, but the implications that come from this – we discussed this all on last week's episode, so there's no need for us to rehash it now. So just – if you haven't already checked out last week's episode, after this episode, just jump right into that one. Yeah. Go for it. I guess the other news is that that broke was that uh, there's still really no headway made between Leonard Williams and the Giants front office, which at this time, you know, March, very early March, is to be expected. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we're getting close to free agency now, and there is a bit of a deadline. And I think what happens is people freak out for the absence of news or the yes. dreaded, the dreaded sources say they are far apart. And that popped out today. I believe it was in the Daily News and a couple of things that just parrot that after. Just because they're far apart on Monday the 9th does not mean they will not come to an agreement on Friday the 13th. So I, I would I would strongly recommend before we find out and we'll find out soon enough whether he is either re-signed, they walk away from the table, or we drop a fran- franchise or transition tag on him. Just calm down because you don't know. You're not you're not in the negotiations. Every every day doesn't go by is not a you know a a sentence on Dave Gettleman being a complete clown or anything like that, or it was a bad trade or any of this stuff. Just, I, I promise you by the time we speak together next week, we'll have some sort of resolution on this and we can discuss that for the entire show if we need to, but it's too early. Yeah. I, I th- whether, whether Leonard Williams signs a, a deal elsewhere or re-signs with the giants, it will be worthy of 
probably an entire episode, whether it be a bonus episode or not. Um, however, I think you hit the nail on the head. This is this is high time for no news at all, and so small news becomes big news, and no news becomes some news. So, yeah. I mean, even you know, we can even extrapolate this out to the CBA, where uh, it was news this evening that the players have extended their deadline for voting from, I believe it was today. We're recording this on a Monday to next Saturday, mm-hmm. and that sent ripples around Twitter. Like, what does that mean? Uh, you know, there's been some high-profile uh, NFL stars who have said flat out they're voting against it, but you know, until that vote actually happens. Don't buy into anything, you know, and again, we're still a year out from any potential lockouts or things. So there's still a lot of time. Um, it sounds like everybody's close, but let's not freak out with every action or non-action just yet. Yeah, I couldn't think of something that was less news than that. So The news, the quote unquote news today to me is not news. Now, if they come to Saturday and the players reject it, that's news. And that you know could set up an interesting next twelve months. I mean, you know, it, it could impact how teams spend their cap. You know how they're going to thinking about contracts going forward. You know, we, we do not have a uncapped year like we did prior to the end of the last CBA. So that is something different. Uh, but again, I think it's one of those we just have to wait and see. It's not exciting to hear, but. It's kind of what you need to hear. Exactly. Same thing as the Leonard Williams deal. It's a wait and see thing. You can sit there and speculate all you want, but that's not news. It's nothing to freak out over. It's it just nothing, it's, nothing it's the absence of news, really, is what it is. Exactly. Um. With that, we get into our. There's nothing else to talk about, so we're going to break down the draft. That's about a month and a couple of weeks away. Yeah. And free agency. Which... Yeah, and and free agency, which is just a couple of weeks away. Yeah, right. Is that is that next week, the fourteenth? I think it opens. Yes, and that is kind of the, that deadline for the Leonard Williams thing. That there's a little sense of urgency about you know what's going to happen. There's going to be a shitter get off the pot moment coming up really soon, but we're not there yet. But the emphasis of that is because free agency opens up next week. Right. Um. And we're going to take a look at the linebacker position as a whole, which I've I've tried to split up as best I can to edge guys and inside guys. And this is not easy to do because some guy, some guys play a lot of times with their hand in the dirt. Other guys play a lot of times with their hand just standing up. Some guys played some way in college and in the NFL played a different way. Some guys play inside. Some guys play outside. It, it all kind of gets muddied. I did the best I could. If it doesn't meet your standards – Start your own it's podcast. A, it's okay. I mean, if we're if we're splitting hairs and picking nits is that much, we appreciate you as 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 giant fans. But you know, just stick with us here for this. Yeah, for for the sake um, of argument. And if you really feel like you, you've got a good point, argue with me on Twitter. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'm open to listen to how I'm wrong. That's fine. Yeah. So um, let's uh let's talk first, Grump, about you know what do we have on this roster now? I mean, we have we've had a bit of a bloodletting at the position. Uh, you know. And what what is the carnage left over, and what do we, how do we start to rebuild this you know all important position? Well, look, this is a position group that has sucked for this team for forever. Um, it's it's been a long time. The last really good linebacker um, was probably Michael Boley, and before that, definitely Antonio Pierce. And 
surprise, surprise, both of those guys were on Super Bowl winning rosters. Any other linebacker that you can think of that is worth half a shit? I mean, really to fit, you know, that category, none. Yeah, and those are not, I mean, like, Antonio Pierce was a pro bowler. I don't think Michael Bowley ever was. He might have been a runner-up or something at some point, but, I, I mean, this is not a very high bar that we're setting for recency no, no. of linebacker talent. John Beeson, we think, is pretty good. No, not not when he was with the Giants. You don't think so? Not when he was with us, no. He's solid. I Chase Blackburn, were you even saying him? I mean, Chase Blackburn, more special teams than anything. I mean, he only even got his spot on that Super Bowl winning roster due to injury. He he was re-signed. He was like teaching. He was substitute teaching. So, I mean, like, yeah, these guys showed up when it counted, but they were not what you want starting every Sunday as part of your linebacker group. And so, you, you know, Giants fans love to pick apart Alec Ogletree. And make fun of every little play that he does wrong. And, you know, it doesn't matter how many little things that he does right because they're not impact plays and he makes a lot of money. And that's fair. The argument I always had was, if you're going to bench him, who are you starting? Because this team sucks and there's nobody behind him. Well, both Kareem Martin and Alec Ogletree are part of that bloodletting that you're talking about. And they are now no longer on the roster. They've been cut. Which leaves our current edge guys as Lorenzo Carter and O'Shane Ziminis with backups Nate Harvey and Chris Pierce. Uh, sorry, Chris Peace. Inside linebackers, um, Ryan Connolly, who suffered an ACL injury, uh, Josiah Taueffa, and Devontae Downs. A hmm. Pro Bowl roster that does not make. <laughs> uh, just on what we have right now, I mean, the biggest, I guess, uh, ceiling would be Ryan Connolly, assuming he can come back and be healthy. We were all pretty impressed with him until he went down, uh, but we have no idea. It's a, it's a huge unknown, and I don't think this organization is ready to bank on him being, you know, back to normal and then taking any major leaps into the next. Right away, so. Right, I would say Ryan Connolly is is the um. I, I mean, it was a little bit surprising how quickly he became an impact guy at the inside position. I I when I saw his tape, I thought that he could become what he was showing early on last year. I just thought it would happen later on in the year. So you know his ceiling. It keeps going up, and he he can be a stud inside linebacker. He was certainly showing that way early on. Now, I mean, who knows? We as fans become so used to players just tearing ACLs and then being all-world athletes again, but it's not a guarantee, no matter how young they are. So, you know, he's a huge question mark for me again. Of course. Yeah. Until you sh- until you show it to me. I mean, we might have this conversation in you know March of 2021 and said you know we think this guy is he came back he's proven himself and now we're ready to say he's going to be a, a stalwart on this you know linebacking core for a couple of years. But I'm not ready to say that just yet. No. Yeah. And I think too many people are counting on that. I, I think 
We have to take a step back and let the man heal a little bit first. I mean, I don't, as far as I know, he's never suffered a knee injury before, which is a good sign, but that also means that he has nothing to base it on in terms of his progress. So, you and know, confidence level, too. You know, the people for the, the biggest thing almost besides the physical recovery is the mental recovery when you have a knee. Do oh, you yeah. trust? Do you trust that knee anymore to cut? Do you trust that knee anymore to be explosive like you were? It, it takes a longer time to get that inner trust back than just the physical strength, agility, flexibility that you had before. Absolutely. No, you're absolutely right. That is, I would say, probably the bigger impact um, when you see guys that don't appear to be playing at 100% following an injury. It's not because they can't. It's that they feel like they can't. They're not sure if they can. And, you know, your body tries to protect itself by limiting what you do. And, um, and and we see that in every sport. I mean, we see well, yeah. it a lot, a lot in basketball more probably than anything because of the, you know, the physical demands of the knee, and uh, it, that's human nature. And you know, we're very hopeful that Ryan Connolly can get better. You know, we know their, uh, you know, advanced medicine and training. The better strength condition we have, and I guess that kind of leads to a side point as well that the Giants are losing their strength and conditioning coach. And I know that's something where. I saw a lot of on Twitter today where people were actually glad. You know, I think pe- fans equate too much the amount of injuries a team has. That must equal strength and conditioning is not adequate. And I don't think the two are related really at all. I mean, I think they can be related, but I think it would be much more rare than fans think. Um all I really remember about Aaron Wellman coming in was that he came in, I believe, with Ben McAdoo, and they put in like a whole new state-of-the-art training center, and they were raving about it then. Um, I, I saw a lot of the same reaction you did about Wellman leaving and that, you know, good, this team's had too many injuries. And I'm thinking back, and like of all the years of being I, – I, I don't really feel like we had a very injured team the last – I mean like – we had it in spots. We had a lot of concu- – first of all, if you're counting concussions into that, then you need to reevaluate what you're even talking about because you, – You probably had a concussion yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean th- those are NFL protocols. Those guys cannot come out of those and you can't strengthen condition your brain. So, it, you know, it just <laughs> – Exactly. And also, you know, they are much more stringent. There's more concussions, you know um, – diagnosed now than 10 years ago because they're looking closer. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're being more careful. And, you know, another thing, too, is, you know, the league has changed. You don't practice as much as you used to. You don't practice as hard as you used to. You know, injuries are going to occur more and more now. And I think just the way people work out, you know, they're not hitting, you know, there's not as much hits and stuff. It's going to impact it as well. And I also think, too, that that's something where every fan base feels that, Injuries only occur to them because that's you're around your team longer. I mean, a lot of you people are Yankee fans who listen to the show. And if I hear any more whining about, you know, woe is me because of all the Yankee injuries in the last year or so, and they need to fire their strength and conditioning guy and stuff, it happens to every team. My Tampa Bay Rays, just as many injuries as you did, but nobody's weeping for us about it. You know, if you went around all the leagues, you know, pitchers and point guards and you know, linemen and quarterbacks and, and you name it. Guys are getting hurt more and more. It's just, you know, 
how much they're acclimated to game preparations, I think, is a big thing about it. It's not individual coaches doing it or not. It's the rules they have to play under. Yeah, I, I would say that that's pretty spot on. I, you know, also that players are protecting themselves more, holding themselves out a little bit more than maybe they used to in the past because they're making more money now. These are business decisions. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's not a good or bad thing. It just is a fact. Um, but regardless of injuries, you know, injuries are, are a, a sort of a point here, but. For the most part, there's not a lot of starting talent on this team, let alone depth. So if anybody gets hurt, this team is just in for it. But, you know, the the undercurrent of, of uh, murmurs is that Dave Gettleman keeps talking about linebackers in this draft, in this offseason. Seems to be a theme. Um, well, thank God, because this team needs linebackers. And the... Cutting the axing of Ogletree and Martin all but guarantees that we'll be active in both free agency and the draft. And don't be surprised if we double dip in one of those. So two free agents and a draft pick or two draft picks and a free agent. Don't be shocked. There's not a lot of starting talent here and there's certainly not a lot of depth. So guys need to be obtained. Um, With that, I think it's been no secret that this team lacks a significant pass rush. So we'll start on the edge, guys, and mainly because the biggest name linebacker is in that group, and that is Jadavian Clowney. Um, Only 27. I mean, I don't really think I need to sing his accolades, but he's a dominant pass rusher. He's an impact player. He's had a couple of injury issues that might, you know, worry some teams, and he will commit a massive contract. But you saw him in his SEC days, pretty much up close, yeah? Uh, To me, I saw him in person twice, and to me, if he's completely healthy, he's more dominant than uh, Chase Young. I think he's a little bigger. He just seems faster. He just seems more ferocious. He can dominate completely. He's proven on the NFL level he dominates. The question is going to be, you know, do you want to spend the money that he's going to require and not be 100% sure that he can play 16 games? And to be quite honestly, can you count on really anybody playing 16 games anymore? So I think that to me, that kind of risk level drops a little bit. But um, when you're a team like the Giants, this has always been my philosophy. When you're rebuilding, I like to take some chances on some guys. And that's the fastest way back is that maybe he's, he's, you know, other teams are scared off by him. I think that's kind of a market inefficiency a little bit, not so much in the price, but in the demand. Yeah. And maybe it's something that you kind of go for it and, and you see what happens. We have a lot of cap space, so it's not like we're have precious few monies to spend. Um, it's someone I would strongly consider. I'm not saying they've got to, they got to do it, got to do it, but I would not rule them out at this time. Not at all. I'd certainly have discussions with his agent and see what's going on. Um, you know, I, I think it depends really on how you want to come at this roster from a philosophical standpoint. Do you want to get... Do you want to be paying the huge money for the impact player or would you rather draft the impact player and pay the 
big money for the stalwart, you know, rock steady but not flashy guy. And, and and hope that you develop that 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 you know insane state. And I'm not saying that there's a right way or a wrong way. I'm sure some people have, you know, they're they're adamant in which way is right and which way is wrong. I I'm just saying that there's two modes of thought. I mean, do you throw money at Clowney who's 27? You're probably I, I can't imagine you're going to sign him for more than three years, more than four years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Agreed. And, and and hope that you know you get your production out of a guy who's aging, and that you have a ton of money stunt, you know, thrown into, and then you know you draft your inside linebacker or somebody to de- develop behind him. It's just well, you know, this is all a perception thing, mm-hmm. and it's like, what do the fans think we're going to do to start? And it all comes back to Dave Gettleman. Mm-hmm. A lot of people in the fan base think because Dave Gettleman is 69 years old, he survived cancer. He, you know, how many years can he possibly, you know, still be on the job? Either by getting whacked if it's another poor year, which I don't necessarily believe is going to happen, but a lot of people do, and it's very possible. Or just, you know, he decides to step down because he can't want to do the job anymore. So when people think that, you know, it, it makes you wonder, like, is he trying to build his team faster than, you know, he traditionally has built a team or he wants to build a team? I think that Dave Gettleman, my personal opinion is, I think he's a professional. I don't think that the time frame is under his watch to be successful while he's there. Um, I think the moves we've done in the last two years have kind of indicated that, where the majority of the moves, not all of them, don't run out and yell at point this example, that example, have been as part of an overall long-term rebuilding plan. He spent time you know, working on getting rid of dead wood, working on rebuilding the cap, working on getting more draft picks to get in this position, which has been in the third year of it. So I don't believe he's going for quick fixes. I think this he's trying to build this team slow and steady for long-term growth and not a quick fix. So that's kind of the way I look at how he's going to do it. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think he's going to always build this team as if he's going to be here for 10 years. And listen, I don't care if he's 69 years old. Guys like this work their whole lives and climb the, the tree, the, the, the ladder here to become a GM. He has not been a GM for a very long time in his career. I don't think he's going anywhere unless he gets... He's already had the job while undergoing chemotherapy. I, I don't think yeah, he's going it, anywhere. He'll leave the job for one or two reasons. He gets fired or physically you know, something happens and he can no longer perform the job. I don't think he's going to retire and sit on some beach house somewhere. I think you know, football, football men are football men. You know, Baseball coaches are baseball coaches. They, that's what they do. They don't do anything else. Like Tom Brady uh, – sorry, uh, Bill Belichick – they're like, well, you know, how many years do you have left? He's going to be a coach until he can no longer be a coach. Joe Paterno probably would sure. still be coaching. You know what I mean? Yeah. If he wasn't forced out of Penn State, I mean, I, I imagine sure. he would have been coaching until he just, you know, dropped down on the sidelines and never got up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look at Bear Bryant. He coached Alabama. He finally retired because he was, you know, too old. He he died six months later. Yeah. It happens. 
Aside from Jadavian Clowney, there are some other guys that generated a lot of noise, like Yannick Ngakwe and Shaq Barrett. Both of those guys, though, are subject to the franchise tag, and I believe that they will probably never hit the market. And Dave Gettleman agrees that a lot of the big-name pass rushers will not hit the market. Um, So I actually didn't even do a whole lot of um, digging on how I felt about either of them. I mean, I think I'm a little bit happier with Shaq Barrett than I am in Yannick Ngakwe, but... Um, yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's it's uh, if for some reason you know these guys do become available, then we'll we'll discuss it immediately. But you know, I, I agree with you. I think there's no waste time wasting breath on guys who very very unlikely are going to get on the open market, and even less likely that we sign. Yeah, I mean, there, there's one interesting name, and in, and that's Dante Fowler, and I feel like you can generate some sort of conversation about him. Uh, you know, a, a guy who was a top 10 draft pick, top 15 draft pick. I can't remember. He was a top 10 pick, I believe, with Jacksonville. And if I recall, like his first practice. He tore his ACL. He tore tore his ACL. Yeah. And again, so, you know, that sticks with you the rest of your career. I mean, Dante Fowler was a part of a ferocious defense for Florida back in the uh, Will Muschamp's defense at Florida back around. 2012, 2013, 2014, you know, when that period, Muschamp was recruiting elite of the elite defensive players of Florida, defensive linemen, linebackers, secondary. They're all over the NFL now, even though we didn't have the greatest win-loss records then, we had fantastic defenses. So um, unfortunate thing about him was his first practice at uh, Jacksonville after being drafted, he tore his ACL and was out for the year. So... Um, he's, uh, he's someone to consider. I mean, I, I, I always liked the guy, you know, he was a real Gator, you know, from Jacksonville. Um, again, I, I'm not sure what they're thinking in that mix between free agent and, and drafting for it, but he's someone, you know, someone to look into. Yeah. I mean, I think the bigger thing is that, um, he didn't really Impressed while he was at Jacksonville, and then he goes to Los Angeles to play with the Rams, and he gets eleven and a half sacks. And you kind of wonder what Dante Fowler you're going to get when you give him money. Um, you know, obviously the injuries are a concern, but injuries are going to be a concern even if guys aren't injury plagued. You know, you could you could sign anybody to a one hundred million dollar year, and they could take one step onto the practice field and rip apart their leg. So, to a certain extent, that's sort of irrelevant to me. Um, you know, he did sign. He had a he had a fourteen million dollar deal with the Rams, a one year deal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're saying with the money, maybe it's just more of. Well, I mean, the, I mean, the, the, the whole contract, the, the dead cap over years. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's also important to remember too that Fowler left Jacksonville. He was part of that whole issue with the uh, the working out and everything that ultimately led to Coughlin leaving. Mm-hmm. You know, so he was kind of one of the guys involved with that too. So. Who knows exactly what was going on in Jacksonville? It sounds like it wasn't an isolated case with just him. No, so, no, no. Yeah. So you kind of have to look with a bit of a grain of salt some of the negative things you might have towards him at, in this time there. But he was, you know, he was pretty good, you know, last year. For, for He's making himself very marketable right now. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, you just kind of have to wonder where the Giants want to go with this in terms of age and free agency. I mean, there's still a chance that they might – Go back to Marcus Golden. I mean, you know, he had a 10-sack year kind of with 
no pass rush help around him. That was pretty much all him. Um, my concern there is that a lot of those were mostly motor plays. They weren't really wins right off the line of scrimmage. It was just you know him you know continuing his pass rush. Is that a bad thing? No, it's not a bad thing. It's just <laughs> it's not a. He's a really good player. The yeah. great players win off the line of scrimmage often. You know what I mean? But, the, I mean the, the Clowney wins off the line of scrimmage. But those guys are also going to have much higher price tags than a guy like Marcus. Gordon Absolutely. Too. Well, he's, that's what you hope. I mean, once the free the, – the market decides what he's worth. I mean, if mm-hmm. if he starts entering into low clowny numbers where you're like, listen, these are mostly motor sacks. I know he got 10, but you know, right. guys like that work off of – you know somebody off the other side of him doing a lot of the 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 pass rush you know what i'm saying right but it's reasonable to think that he's going to be in that second tier of free agent position yeah um i i think a name to to really watch and i and i have a whole list of them but one that i'm really keeping my eye on for free agency is is Emmanuel Ogba uh, i really really liked him coming out of college at Oklahoma State um He's coming off of a torn pectoral muscle, which, you know, while that sounds concerning, it also means that he's probably going to come on the cheap. He had five and a half sacks in ten games. That's pretty good. Um, you know, I think that that's a guy worth kicking around. And if he's even low money, he can be one of those depth guys that I'm talking about where maybe you sign somebody for a lot of money and then you also sign Manny Agba. You know, we got to go yeah. – you know, around the margins with some of these guys, and like I said before, you know, take some chances. And yeah, maybe I mean, you're you, right. You got you got the position. I mean, you got to come at it from multiple angles to replenish it. Mm-hmm. Um. All right, we're gonna we're gonna jump into the draft here, and I gotta say, I took a massive list of some of the biggest names at the edge position, and I was mostly disappointed. Um, you know, I I looked at guys like Julian Aquara from Notre Dame, looked raw. Didn't really look like he was possessing anything elite for the next level. Uh, Anthony Jennings from Alabama, I, I really was disappointed with. I, I think he has a quick first step and some strength and hand-fighting ability, but it really just doesn't look like he's trying half the time. I mean, maybe I'm good. missing something. Terrell Lewis from Alabama, I, I didn't really think was, was much of anything, although he was coming off of an injury in 2018 in ACL, so his 2019 campaign wasn't, you know... Probably him playing at 100%, and there's not much from 2018 to go off of. Um, do you want to tell me a little bit about Jabari Zuniga? I do. Uh, I was going to talk about Jabari Zuniga, and I thought you were also going to go talk about Jonathan Grenard as mm-hmm. well. Um, I looked at them both. Yeah, let's start with Grenard first, actually. So okay, Jonathan Grenard it. was a, um, a transfer. He came from Louisville, um, part of Todd Grantham. He was um, – Recruited very heavily by Todd Grantham uh, when he was at Mississippi State, ended up going to Louisville. And then when Grantham came to Florida with Mullen, he transferred as a grad student and played one year for Florida. And, you know, could say he was the MVP of the defense for Florida this past year. Mm. Uh, Ten sacks, didn't play. He was hurt a couple times. He was hurt around the LSU game. His absence of a pass rush, I think, really hurt. Florida in that game, him along with Zaniga. So, um, you know, just one of these guys, you talk about a motor, the guy always has a motor. He came in, became a team leader right away, which is something you like to see. Um, 
I, 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 I think he's probably going to be like a third, fourth round pick. Maybe you can, can play on the edge if he has to, can be outside linebacker if he has to, um, just a guy who can plug in and, and do a lot of different things. So I, I really like Jonathan Grenard. Um, talk about Zaniga, another guy who, um, he came back for his senior year, um, had problems with an ankle and he played, I think he played six or seven games, uh, tried to give it a go in the LSU game, really couldn't go either. Um, but has a monster pass rush as well. Um, let's see what he does. You know, I would say he's probably a fourth, fifth round pick. Probably. Um, I, I think he, I think he would have helped himself if he didn't get hurt this year by coming back. Cause they thought we thought he was one of those guys who could leave early last year and didn't, mm-hmm. the injuries didn't help him at all. But, uh, no, he's he is a pass rusher, and you know I think he could be gotten on the relative cheap as well down further down in the draft. Yeah, I, I think they're actually going to go both around the third or fourth round. I, I think Zuniga was hurt a little bit because it seemed like Florida used him quite often on the inside where he can use mm-hmm. his his quickness to win at the college level, and that's fine because at college you're trying to win and whatever. But in the NFL, I don't think his quickness there is going to get him very much. He'll be more on the edge. And I think his numbers will increase. But, you know, when he was rushing off the edge, he looked good doing it. Even though he was injured, like you said, I think he looked even good uh, in 2018. I thought he uh, looked pretty pretty damn good. Um, yeah, we were really – that was one of those things when you're waiting for the date when guys can leave early. It's one of those – you're just following Twitter to see, you know, when's the announcement he's going to stay or go. And he said he was going to stay. You know, then Grenard announced he was coming. It's like all of a sudden, okay – we will have a pass rush next year. Mm-hmm. And the pass rush, when, when they were healthy, the two of them, it was good. Yeah. But they were, like I said, they were both out for the LSU game, and Joe Burrow carved up this defense. And it was, you know, it makes guys like CJ Henderson look worse than they actually are, too, because of that lack of pass rush. Yeah. And, and Grenard, I think, is quick and twitchy. He's got really good strength and instincts and discipline. I think Grenard was actually really good in the run game as well. He wasn't used much in pass coverage, so it's kind of hard to judge where he would be other than rushing the passer. But, um, you know, I, I think they both offer that mid-round talent where their ceiling, you know, we don't really know how high it can go. So it's, you know, you don't want to blow a day one pick on him. But, you know, late day two, he could develop into something, you know? Very possibly. Um, some names of guys that really impressed me. Josh Uche from Michigan. Really speedy, dangerous blitzer and edge rusher, and he was used in multiple spots. You know, coming from a a Harbaugh team where he's coached really well, um, he's pretty decent in coverage, and he seemed to have this advanced ability to disguise in his his coverage and blitzes. A um, little bit small though, so that could end up being a liability in the run game. But definitely somebody that jumped off the tape a little bit to me. Zach Bond from Wisconsin as well. Um, Really talented in pass coverage with good blitzing ability on passing downs. He's a little undersized for a full-time role on the edge, but his coverage sp- speed, coverage skills and speed allow him to be a three-down backer moving into the inside on early downs and, you know, sliding to the outside. You know, versatility is really important in a 3-4 defense, if we're even going to be that. Who the hell knows? I was yeah, mostly gotta... impressed with his backpedal. Almost looked like a defensive back, the way he backpedaled into coverage. It was really, really impressive. 
that's interesting. You can disguise coverages better that way if you have a guy who can do that. So, yeah. um, the biggest names guy, the guys that I looked at, like AJ Apensa, you know, he 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 just doesn't wow me. He's he w- seems to win with superior strength and leverage, um, even with good speed and quickness. But I I have questions about his ability to out muscle NFL tackles. It just mm-hmm. I, I'm not really sure that's going to happen. Um, you know, Chasen from LSU, I, I like a lot more than Arden Key, who came out a couple of years ago. Um, he has a lot of upside, but I feel like he should have stayed to fill out his frame. He, you know, he's still little. Mm-hmm. Um, Chase Young is going to be a bit of a conversation. So we <laughs> we agree that Chase Young is the best pass rusher in this draft, correct? Uh, by, by far, yes. Um, and by far is is the key point here. I think there's some really top talent with Chase Young, and then everybody else is like off a cliff behind him. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, I, I guess I'll start with the positives, right? He, he, excellent speed off the ball, runs around tackles like they're nothing. He's got great quickness to stutter step in to- inside. He has really good use of hands to just chuck blockers away. What I will say is that he's a little bit more OCU Manura than he is Lawrence Taylor. Um, he doesn't really have much of a power rush. It's very much speed, whether it's a quick step inside or around the outside of the tackle. That's that's fine, but to think that he is the second coming of Lawrence Taylor would be fooling yourself. Um, he does not. He could end up being that, but I'm not seeing it yet. I feel like he's, you know, again, from a Northeastern NFL fan, like a lot of people are up here who don't follow the college game day in and day out. He's somebody that they started hearing about. They saw a couple of high profile games and like kind of like Justin Aber did last year at Oregon, where all of a sudden it's like, that's the guy, that's the guy, that's the guy. When you haven't really, you know, compared him to other similar guys in his class or have the frame of reference of guys from the previous couple of years. I think he's really, really good. I think he's the best in the class, but I think people are like, you got to get him. You got to, you know, he's a no, a no doubt can't miss her. I don't know about that necessarily. And I think that's, he's just, he just became that guy that, you know, people don't know much about, but have heard so much about more than what he actually is. Yeah. I'm not sure where he'll end up in a couple of years and how good he'll turn out to be. Nobody knows. But I will say when Jadavian Clowney was coming out in the draft, I thought higher of Clowney than I think of Young now. Um, and I could be wrong about that. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm willing I'm, to die by my opinion here. but I, I'm a little biased by him uh, because I remember just watching his film in high school during the recruiting wars mm-hmm. and uh, – we, we, we brought up Will Muschamp before, um, talking about um, uh, Dante Fowler, a, a, another Will Muschamp recruit. He's probably the biggest recruit he's had since he's been in South Carolina. I mean, the guy is from South Carolina, but still, to keep him in-state and also to keep him away from Clemson is quite an achievement. And mm-hmm. just to see him develop, and then obviously he had that uh, iconic play in the Outback Bowl. Um, you know, That's where one of those all of a sudden he became a legend where people don't really know who he is, becomes a viral sensation on it and everything. But um, if you give me, this is my personal opinion, a healthy 
Clowney at 21 and a healthy Chase Young, I'm taking Clowney. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how I feel too. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of where I sat looking at the draft picks for the edge guys. Um, the inside is where I'm a little bit more worried. Losing Al Gogletree sounds like a joke and, and a, oh God, finally. But for real, Ryan Connolly is the only thing that we've got there, and he's coming off of an ACL injury. In addition to having only a quarter of a rookie year, um, that's really concerning to me. Thankfully, we're hanging our head up. Yeah. Thankfully, there are three, in my opinion, really good free agents available. Corey Littleton, the Rams outstanding in coverage with blitzing ability, ball hawk, turnover machine, only 26 years old. Joe Schobert from the Cleveland Browns, well-rounded three-down backer, not quite as physically gifted as Littleton, but just as nearly as productive. Um, Also only 26. And Danny Trevathan from the Bears, I'm still a huge fan of, even though he's 30 and he's coming off of a down year due to injury recovery. I think he's an excellent coverage linebacker with a lot of experience, and he might be worth a two- to three-year deal to bridge that gap in a young linebacker core. Yeah, you, you just made a great point that every free agent signing, every draft pick doesn't have to be the guy for the next 12 years. Exactly. Some guys some guys have different roles based upon you know, the experience they're bringing in, the age they have, their price tag, all these different things. So don't feel that you know, every free agent is going to be here for the next decade. It'll be here for the next contract. And every draft pick is the guy for the next 12 years. You know, right now we're trying to build, you know, a linebacker room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you know, there isn't we one. We don't, we don't have one at all. So you need to get bodies in here to begin with. But and but bodies that are not guys who are just coming off the street. So don't worry if we make a we sign a guy who might be 31 or 32 for a two year deal. Like, why are we wasting our time? A, we are not we don't believe 2020 is a playoff year yet. So we have time to get bodies in here and, you know, collectively rise the talent level of the of the linebacker room. So keep that in mind as we are considering these things. Yeah. I, I, I do think that the Giants are going to become major players for either Littleton or Schobert because there is simply nobody at the inside position, even if they draft somebody. I mean, y- you can't count on Ryan Connolly coming back and just picking up where he left off. So even if they draft somebody really high, you were still missing a body next to him. So You know, I'd- Grump, we, we always talk about you know, when it comes to the draft in the big board, you go for the best available player. True. But free agency is a little different, though. Mm-hmm. Free agency is a little more what your needs are. Yeah, it's targeted. How you're, the, how you're allocating the money. So I guess my question to you is, is now we've gone through most of these spotlights and we still have some more to go. Looking at free agency, where do you see is the position they're most likely to address? More so position-wise and worrying about the draft. Do you feel that linebacker is either 1 or 1A for the need they need to address, or is it something else they're going to be looking at? I find it hard to believe that there's any position other than linebacker that they will be spending more money on, whether it be an edge guy or an inside guy. In my opinion, um, it'll be both. (laughs) 
if they if they only sign two big names to this roster through free agency, it should be an inside linebacker and an edge guy, and use the draft for the rest. If if that were the case, uh, in my opinion, it's just that devastatingly bad, and um, it in addition to needing draft talent, needs veteran talent as well. So. I I agree with you 100%. I'm thinking, you know, it's it's a very close call when you get to the draft. Edge rusher, mm-hmm. left tackle. I mean, it's very close. We, In my opinion, we, we, definitely, yeah. We, we need them both. And, but to me, the replacement cost of an offensive tackle is much higher. Mm-hmm. And with more question marks, quite honestly, on the free agent market than it is through the draft. I think, you know, you – you get lucky and you get like, let's say the, the, and I know I'm bouncing around here, but you have the opportunity to get the best offensive tackle in the class. If you're drafting fourth, if we stay at fourth, you know, you have a bit of cost control for arguably the second most important position on your offense. Mm -hmm. So I, I definitely agree with you that I think they're going to address as critical a need, edge rusher linebackers, in free agency. So they'll have at least the foundation of that linebacker room ready to go. And I think they will end up trying to focus on an offensive tackle. Now they may spend their money on edge rushers and all of a sudden by just the way the draft goes, they may be in a position for chase young. Then it gets very interesting. Um, then you start thinking again about best available talent and stuff. So, but again, that's kind of, being fortunate, you can't plan on that happening. And I think since you can't plan it, I think you're right. We will see heavy money spent in this um, position group. Yeah, I think the other thing too is when you're deciding between edge rusher and franchise left tackle, you can manufacture a pass rush with a bunch of middle talent rushers instead of one elite rusher. You don't get that option with tackles and blocking. Mm -hmm. I mean, you get that one blocker, and whether he's really good or he's really bad, he's going up against an edge rusher every week. So, you know, in the the draft, in my opinion, it's really, really close between edge rusher and tackle. If they're the second best at their position in the entire league, I'll take the second best left tackle in the league over the second best edge rusher every time. Mm -hmm. That's just me. But I'm with you as well. Yeah. But you know something if they go the other way, it's not like it's a fool's decision. I mean, they are not the Bucks drafting a place kicker in the first round or something just ridiculous. <laughs> um, <laughs> there are a couple of inside linebacker types in the draft that I did really like. I watched a bunch of guys again. Again, not really overly impressed with the crop of guys there. Um Malik Harrison from Ohio State was not really all that impressive to me. Neither was Jacob Phillips from LSU, Chris Barnes from UCLA, not even Troy Dye from Oregon. Um, Some of these guys looked way too little to be playing inside linebacker, but some guys that did jump right out to me. Joe Bocci from Michigan State looks like a three-down linebacker to me with some plus coverage ability. I wish he would play downhill a little bit more, but... You know what? If we're playing in a 3-4 and we have two inside linebackers, if he's your coverage guy, then he's your coverage guy. He can he can work on playing downhill over time. Um, 
one of my favorite guys who I was watching last year, Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma. Excellent, well-rounded linebacker. Just has instincts for the position. He blitzes and covers really well. He has sideline-to-sideline speed. He can sometimes fail to bring down ball carriers effectively with with excellent tackling, but he definitely always you know wraps up and is slowing them down. Um, he he and he can play everywhere. Coverage down low, off the edge. He's he's a three down starter. And then there's the obvious, which has already been linked to the Giants at four even, which I think is really kind of high for him. And that's Isaiah Simmons from Clemson. Um, you know easily. He sounds like he's one of those these wild cards in the draft. Mm-hmm. I mean, he definitely won the combine. Yeah. And everybody started talking about him. But, you know, I could see him, you know, somebody reaching it for. I can see him lasting till eight. I mean, I think he's going to be a product of what that quarterback run is going to be. And if there's any trades up or down to, to get quarterbacks and things. Um, and tackles I, I think, for that matter. Yeah. I mean, to your point – because you're not overly impressed with this collection as a whole, I'm fairly certain that general managers feel the same way as well. Mm. And I, I think this is going to lead me even more to my kind of theory that more money will be spent in free agency because I think that uh, you know if you're using your big board on best available talent, you're going to see a lot of other guys, other positions being ranked higher than some of these guys would be. And maybe they can be had maybe in much lower rounds. Maybe you'll see like a, you know, a, a, a non-drafted free agent come into camp in this position and, and compete. But um, I, I, I tend to agree with you on this, that uh, I don't expect to see much action early with, with this position because I think, you know, there's other players, better quality at more positions that will bump these guys back more. Yeah, I uh... – I think I agree. Um, I mean, that's really – it sucks because I spent hours and hours, you know, combing through footage of these guys and, and taking notes and whatever. But that's really most of what I've got for this position group. It was m- mostly uh, well, unimpressive. I wouldn't bang your head against the wall because, you know, the the research you did made it, you know – a more worthwhile show for me and for you know, the listeners out there because nobody likes to have you know, smoke blown up their ass. Mm. And you can go out here. You can be like one of these uh, recruiting shows or one of these things just like everybody we talk about is the greatest thing since sliced bread. And then we ask and we complain, well, why didn't we draft him? Why didn't we draft any of these guys? I heard how great they all were. So I think the research was not done in vain. I think it's, you know, we want to hear honest assessments. And that's what you do better than me. So, good job. Thanks. Well, um, my research will be on display on my Twitter account. I'll start tomorrow once this episode goes up, and I'll start posting some links to some YouTube videos and and things that I watched to come to my analysis. And, you know, my analysis will be attached to each player and whatever. And my Twitter account is at football underscore grump, where you can find all of that stuff. You can catch me as always on Twitter at the Cranky Fan. I, I love to hear from all of you. Uh, special shout out to the two guys who I never caught their name. I was out drinking with at the Keg Room in uh, Midtown Saturday night. Had a good hour long conversation about the state of the Giants. Uh, really great talking to you guys. So you know, give me a line, 
say hi. Love to hear from you again. But uh, again, my Twitter account is the Cranky Fan, where uh, you know, obviously talking giant football. We are talking the disaster that is Nick's basketball. We are talking getting ready for spring training with Rays baseball. We got lightning hockey. You know, we'll talk Gator ba- uh, football. We got the tournament coming up. Gator basketball. Basically, you're going to hear a lot of different nonsense from me. So um, if you want to hear smorgasbord of what I care about, it's the Cranky Fan. If you don't, just listen to the show and you'll get my <laughs> giant specific stuff and other little Gator knowledge in there as well. But uh, at the Cranky Fan for you. And this show has a Twitter account of itself, at Just Giants Pod. And of course, the podcast can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio. You name it, it's there. Sign up for free to have these episodes all in your queue Tuesday morning on your way to work. Yeah, and like on our Facebook page as well, we will also bump um, a link to this episode as well. I know we should be, you know, I know all the old people just are on Facebook now, but uh, we'll, we'll make sure we update that as well. So if you are not subscribing anywhere, there'll be a quick link to this episode and maybe you'll subscribe from there. So we'd appreciate that. Yeah. All right, everyone. Go Giants. Go Giants.